All right, Dean Davis, the show. We're going to do some sports take, particularly about the Chicago Bulls with the hiring of executive basketball personnel. Artuis Karnaschovas. We have to get ready for this. Artuis. Artuis. I said Artuis. I know. I'm saying it for myself, so I know what to say. I'm, I'm, could you not do it when I'm doing the opening? <laughs> <laughs> Golly. Go for it. What you got? All right. So uh, we're lucky enough to be joined by our former executive producer. You see our, 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 our newest executive producer. He's not new anymore. He's been around for a while. He's doing a fantastic job. The guy that gave the job off to him, who's doing a great job with NBC Sports Chicago as the head of broadcast production, the one and only Tony Gill. How are you doing, T? What's up, fellas? What's going on? No, it is. Well, you ain't you been in the crib. I sure, I really ain't heard for you to be in the crib as much as you used to just stay in my back pocket. <laughs> he working. Yeah, right. They ain't even do show Icy Sports Talk Live all last week with the little windows. <laughs> they just like, it ain't no sports right now. Just chill out and relax. So real quick, before we jump into that, Tony, for all our followers who've always known you to be around, what's been going on recently? We know what happened at first at NBC Sports Chicago. How are they now trying to take care of not having live sports to necessarily talk about and how are you guys moving content-wise and how has it affected your job as being the guy that runs the podcast here? Um, actually, work just kind of, like, picked up uh, for everybody. Yeah. Um, nobody has been laid off um, at NBC Sports, which That's has good. been, you know, good. Everybody's been able to keep, uh, keep their uh, jobs as of this time of this recording. Um, but uh, it's it's been great, man. I mean, everybody has kind of put their creative minds kind of like in hyper mode um, because without the, I don't, for lack of a better word, without the crutch of sports in mm-hmm. game to game analysis, mm-hmm. you really have to dig deep and try and entertain people on a, uh, uh, on a, on a mental level, on a entertainment level, where what they read and how we're engaging with them on social media, because we don't have a whole lot of sports on television. Um, so, I mean, every every morning uh, we have a a conference call, just shooting ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what can we do? Well, this is coming up. Maybe we should do that. Like it's everybody is kind of all pitched in and uh, really work together to kind of keep the content game going. Um, and for my my. Uh, role has certainly picked up because now with less things on television, uh, people still want to hear from their very various favorite hosts and uh, insiders about what's going on in their sports. So, uh, Zoom podcasting, what we're using now, is is certainly been the tool for me uh, right now. Um, I've been telling them about it since I got there, since I got hired, and now with all that's been going on, they've been forced to kind of dive right, uh, dive right into using it. So, but it's it's been going well. Uh, everybody's been embracing the the, the new changes, uh, and we're just kind of moving forward. Real quick, before my last question, before D takes in, how many uh, I told you souls did you have to have over the Zoom uh, podcast and part? <laughs> like, when did you finally stop mentioning? Like, I did tell y'all about this. Um, no, no, because it, it, it happened so fast. It was we were working, we're working. Hey, nobody come in for at least two weeks until we say so. And then now it's like, well, content still needs to go out. Like the podcasts are on a schedule. They still need to be able to, you know, yeah. produce. So it wasn't just, I, I didn't really have time to, you know, run off any, I told you shows. So it was just right into, Hey, this is what you do. This is, I'll send you the link where we're recording. Same as always. We're still going to have fun. We're still going to talk about uh, the interesting topics of uh, the various teams. And we're just going to kind of keep it going. All right. I want to definitely get to the process, but more importantly, out of all the candidates that took place in this or refused to take place in it, who was your favorite 
And what did you think about the process to get to Arturis Kanasavas, the former general manager of the Denver Nuggets? Uh, see, that's the thing with uh, executive hires. It's like you don't know 100% where their hands are in, in each various organizations. Um, so I, I couldn't tell you on the detail, oh, this person did this, this, and this until like after the fact where you see these candidates come up and then you go back and look, okay, what does this person has done specifically? Have they been a, a part of any podcast or has somebody written a piece about them about what their daily jobs were? And that's all this was uh, for media members and for uh, fans involved that once the name started to pop up on who the Bulls were interviewing, you went back and read up on all of those people to see which one you thought uh, was the best candidate. So uh, when I did that, um, Arturus was certainly one of them um, with how, I mean, for me, when people were bringing up, well, the Bulls are looking to revamp their front office, I looked at organizations, which organizations are the healthiest are the most well-functioning are the most updated and Denver was certainly at one of the teams at the top of my list Denver Miami the Clippers um those those Utah uh those organizations that seemingly are in a small market uh still operating at a high level and uh Denver specifically speaking to uh, our tourists uh, was operating at that level I mean going uh, going into uh, overseas and actually doing scouting over there, taking uh, Jokic in the second round, and now he's an all-NBA player. Like, a, a lot of this stuff, I mean, some of this stuff is luck, uh, but a lot of it is research. A lot of it is investing in organizational growth and uh, player development, uh, and Denver was doing that. They were leading, you know, one of the leaders in the league in doing that for an organization that can't get top free agents. They had to find other ways to be, uh, to become really good. Uh, and that's the way, that's what the Bulls need at this moment. Right now, the Bulls can't draw any free agents to save them from themselves. So yeah. they need to dive into the nuances of building a team like the smaller markets team. Uh, teams have to do it. The Bulls have to do it as well. And Arturis uh, is certainly a great candidate to do that. So, Tony, who do you think our tours are going to look at when it comes far as, well, some of the guys maybe you wouldn't mind seeing to get the gigs as far as like a GM or a head coach? Um, actually, Casey Johnson just uh, tweeted out. Uh, yeah, I thought Mark Eversley got that job. Yeah, let me see. I didn't see it. I'm going through Twitter right now. But go ahead, Tony. I'm sorry. Um, no, no. Uh, what I was going to mention, Casey just tweeted it out. Uh, coaching hasn't been brought up just yet in terms of a, a change of coaching. Um, they're still kind of working through that. They're still trying to fill out the front office uh, right now. Um, they made the the hiring of J.J. Polk for assistant GM. They still technically mm -hmm. don't have a GM uh, just yet, but getting Polk away from uh, David Griffin in, in New Orleans was huge. He's, yeah. a, uh, he's an analytics and he's a cap guy. You always need a cap guy. Pat Riley has his. Mm -hmm. um, all the, the big time – you can't do everything. You can't know everything. So along with being president or vice president of basketball operations – uh, you're basically being hired to hire people that know more than you on certain aspects of building a, a team. And that's what they're trusting in him, that he can fill out the rest of this front office, update it, get people in here who understand uh, modern basketball, how teams are, are, are building their rosters, uh, how they're being flexible with their cap and being really smart with uh, how they use their caps with different wording and contracts. So that's what he's in a process of doing right now. Tony, real quick. The Bulls have a cap guy that's supposed to be pretty good. Does this mean that he's gone there? Um, I don't know. I don't know. And, 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 and 
what the Bulls are doing is they made that hi- that hire of a tours, and now they're going hands off um, on this, which is you know something you, that you, they do, do. This is what you've been you've been t- you've heard has been important to you that they're really going to stay. Whoa, whoa, I'm sorry, D. When you're saying hands off, how important is it we talking about John Paxson with his hands off then? I guess that when you're saying because that's the most important hands off person in the situation. Well, yeah. well going yeah. back to going back to uh, Tony's podcast, when I listened to was Casey Johnson, you Jason Goff, I believe I forgot the other gentleman on Rob there. Rob Schaefer. Mm-hmm. Rob Schaefer, yeah. Casey was basically saying, like, John Paxson's like, hey, I'll leave up out of here if you want me to, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it is weird because usually a, a prior regime doesn't get to stay but they love those guys you know so much but from what i heard and what i read and what i was told is arturis has the final say so on everything basketball mm. everything basketball all basketball decisions is all him it ha- he has to okay it before anything uh happens and then obviously he'll run it past michael and Terry for like big big moves obviously right but Basketball operations, the autonomy that John Paxson had, Arturis is going to have that. He answers to no one except for Michael Reinsdorf and Jerry Reinsdorf. Those are only two people that he has to uh, uh, respond to uh, in terms of uh, in terms of decision makings on the on the basketball sides of things. John Paxson is his his future in terms of his participation in basketball decisions is up in the air and is based on what Arturis wants from him. But the way he's filling out his team right now, I don't think there's going to be room for John Paxson to be on any type of board or any type of decision. He may ask him a couple questions, you know, or so or something like that. But I don't think John is going to have influence over what uh, Karnaschovas is doing. But it seems to be pretty standard for the Bulls because usually we put somebody in charge they kind of let them go ahead and do whatever they're going to do right yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, he, yeah he's had he's had two basically gms the entire time, time he's been there. has had of uh, on the team so yeah uh, he certainly uh, basketball isn't his forte jerry will admit that he said that uh, if you read up on on many occasions basketball is not jerry's thing michael basketball is not his thing they understand the business side of things but in terms of actually trying to build a championship team they don't know what goes on so why would they input their uh any knowledge on that base that's that's just not what they do so they entrust the people that they hire and they empower those people to do their jobs and trust that their decisions is going to lead them to uh to a winning uh, organization smart leadership dan davis show we apologize for our producers ruffling in the background tony he should know better by now um look real quick <laughs> i want to ask you this i want to ask you this i was reading an article in athletic i don't know if it was greenberg or our buddy down there on uh, Marbury, Mayberry. Uh, but they were talking about that uh, Karnasovich, it may be, it, it could be a hindrance, but it could also be a positive to have Paxson around, especially when it comes to the purse strings of the Reinsdorfs, to have someone to go in. Mm-hmm. Probably somewhat like Kenny has to, they didn't say this all the way, but like what Kenny has to has done, it seems like Kenny's implied for Rick Hahn with some of these contracts. I don't think, like, he gave the final say-so, I think, with the Jose Abreu, which at the time was the highest contract for a White Sox player. But... Do you think that there is something to be said that you probably should have uh, a John Paxson in your corner because at times when you want to go out and sign that big free agent and the Bulls necessarily have not been the team to go about wanting to necessarily spend that money, that it'll be better to have 
packs into your back pocket or you're just better moving forward because he is just as soon as he could be uh, a fan of yours or be someone that can help you. He can also be someone that can tell them perhaps that's not a good idea that you're talking about. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, let me preface this. I'm speaking from a position of, I, in terms of my basketball consciousness as, mm-hmm. a, as a Bulls watcher, there's only been John Paxman guard for me. Yeah, I, I you're don't right. Know, I don't know. You what don't know the great days of Jerry Krause. Krause. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know anything past that. So The great Dickie Simpkins draft, my brother. You don't know anything about that. <laughs> so, um, I would I would assume that John is still going to be either paid or around the, the same amount of money. I know you don't know this, but just would you think for someone that's taking a step down from executive vice president and as we've known to be, sometimes they'll spend the money, sometimes they don't. And I've just wondered this out loud. Do you think two years from now, John Paxton is making half if not 80 percent of what he's making as the executive vice president is just being in some type of advisory role that's yeah, if that's, that's if he's even still there though right True. Well, this, the book. you're right but let's just say he, if he's still like like i and, and again this is for all of us real quick where do you go because usually man it's something to take less you know what i'm saying like you could move me to another position and it may not be a position of power but if i'm still getting that same paycheck yeah it's not what i prefer but let that money still flow so that's like the yeah. thing that, that stood out when thinking about this is like Man, how, what do you pay someone that you were paying here, but they and they were doing this the work level up here, even though if we didn't like the results. But now, as far as the importance, they're really down to here. Do you, as a team that looks at money and is, is very fiscal, do you still pay that person because you like them, or do you come to some considerations like, ah, right, you know what the hell you're doing? You bring your ass back down here. I mean, it, it's really up to Michael and Jerry. I mean we know the love that they have for John and Gar. Um, if it's their money, if they want to pay them to do nothing, if they just want to give them money, that's what mm-hmm. they're going to do. Uh, yeah. no matter what kind of actual role that they have with the team, uh, if they just want them around and just likes them and likes paying the money, what can we do <laughs> as long as, as long as they aren't dabbling into, uh, or, uh, messing with, uh, the decision makers on the basketball side, I don't think fans should, should really care. Like I know, for instance, uh, for the Bulls outside this podcast, you can check that out too. Uh, those guys, Big Dave, Matt Peck, John Sabine, they do a really mm-hmm. great job. Um, Matt was really upset that they just weren't completely cut off. Um, and I think I thought personally that that might have been unreasonable of an ass considering those two connections. I did too. I did with too. Jer- with Jerry and Michael. But common sense is they should, but I'm with you. They should, but, but here – Right, from for what we know of their relationship, mm. it's a lot to ask for to just, hey, kick them out of the building, don't pay them anymore, don't do anything like that, considering what we know that relationship to be. Yeah, Tony, well, one question that I've been kind of wrecking my head over, or just been thinking about, is the makeup of the roster of the team. Now, you do have Zach Levine, uh, you have a few other guys to kind of sign up in, until at least next season, season after next, I'm sorry. But, uh, but contracts are going to be, the team structure contract structure is going to be in there's no kind of like heavyweighted contract they have to deal with a long term so what do you think they're going to go at go in, go into looking as far as at the roster of this team should we expect to see a, a, a pretty big turnover maybe one or two guys here maybe young guys maybe like a Kobe or a Wendell what do you think um I think from what I uh from what I was told and what I've been gleaming from people that know 
Uh, can we call him AK? I like calling him AK. Yeah, go, yeah, go, 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 go for it. it. He's going to take his time and check out the merchandise before he make any rash decisions, what you're about to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, he's he's very calculated, very organized, very very stoic in, in his decision-making, very um, super, just really, really calculated before making any you know major uh, moves. So I would assume that he'll – first of all, we all know how this goes. You don't give away the player unless the coach is – you know, an all-time great, um, usually the coach goes first. That's, mm-hmm. that's just how it goes. And every, you know, GM or president of basketball operations, they, they want their own coach. They don't want to be married to anybody that was there uh, before they got there. So um, I think you look at that first. But in terms of the roster, um, you just got to find out a couple things. Uh, Zach is still on a really, really, really great deal. Yeah. Uh, Larry Markin is still on his rookie deal. Kobe White still on the rookie deal. With all the important people uh, that you want to project and see what they look like are all under manageable uh, contracts. So um, I don't, I don't expect any major moves right from the right from the jump unless something just falls in their lap. Like, and I'm not, I'm not a reporter, so don't. Take this with a grain of salt with the whole Donovan Mitchell thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they the, the Nuggets, if you remember the boy, Nuggets. Boy, you fiending for that, boy. The, the, the Nuggets <laughs> did trade Donovan Mitchell for Trey Lyles uh, in the draft. Um, so, I mean, if he's upset and, and wants it out, I mean, unless that happens. But typically that that's not how this thing, you know, works out. Right. But uh, they, I'm sure they just want to see – is Laurie Marketing really that bad after showing what he did? Can Zach Levine uh, stay healthy and, and be that guy for, for a second season? Can Wendell Carter stay healthy? Can Kobe White be a star? There's a lot. There's still a lot of questions that uh, that people in the organization, not even including the people that hasn't been watching the Bulls on a day-to-day basis, have to find out. But people still in the organization don't know what this team can be or what this young core is in total. Uh, so I think that'll be the first thing that's, that they look at. Uh, all those other pieces, Otto Porter, Thad Young, Thomas Edderant, like all those yeah. expenditures. They, I mean, Ancillary pieces. Right, ancillary pieces, whatever. Uh, but they are really, in order to start uh, going in a positive direction after coaching or whatever, all of that, is what, are, what do those four look like together on a basketball court for an extended period of time when they are put in the best positions to succeed? Uh, and I think Wait that's, for that question. That's, yeah, that's the biggest question that I don't think uh, we have an answer yet to. We've been waiting for that answer for like, what, two, three seasons now, right, Ken? Mm-hmm. Yeah, truly. Dean Davis Show, Tony Gill, me, D, our executive producer, Rambo Kovetsky. Uh Tony, real quick. So listen. They're going to now go from the smallest front office and scouting department, and that even goes with analytics in the NBA or one of the smallest, and they're going to start to put money in there. But being a Bulls fan, that would tell me that money's coming from someplace else. Should I believe that, or should I think that when they're stepping into the modern NBA, they know that they should have been spending this money already, and they're still going to have the money when it comes to free agents and coaches that they should have? Or should I think that, yeah, they're going to be expanding this, and there's going to be less money for when it comes to pursuits of free agency or pursuits of big-name head coaches, even though we know they probably won't go with a big-name head coach uh, with Artemis, AK's first job. Even though, and unfortunately, AJ Griffin is being mentioned. I'll get into why well, I said unfortunately a minute ago. A lot ago. of the last, his, his names coming up a lot, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think mm-hmm. we are in a – we won't believe you, you know, you need more people such a situation yeah. uh, with the Bulls where they, they're going to have to keep showing this money out. Uh, otherwise, we're going to believe that, you know, you're you're faking the funk right now. Um, 
you spent money and you went and got a quality candidate in a tourist, you're allowing him to go after uh, really competent people. Um, you're spending money on that. We'll see what the scouting and, and analytics department looks like afterwards. Uh, but I would, I would find it hard to believe that uh, Karnaschovas would take this job without assurances that he can build this in the way that he sees fit. I mean, even if he wants to build it exactly like how Denver is, it's still light years away from what the Bulls currently have. Yeah. So uh, I just just from my, I mean, the the way from what I've read and what I've been told about about his personality, he doesn't seem like a guy that'll mess around with that or take a job just because it's this title. Um, if the Bulls didn't have any pieces or assets, and if he wasn't assured that he was able to build this and invest in the front office like they should have before i don't think he takes this job so um that was that was kind of like the the clue for me that okay maybe michael is at and jerry are actually ready to invest i mean they just seen the returns on their other business the white Sox. when you actually invest in yourself yeah. and invest in your in in your front office and give them opportunities and the finances to actually be successful now look at all this momentum on the White Sox. Now, and this is just the White Sox. This is a this is a literal small market uh, team uh, in terms of the White Sox. But imagine if you get the same for your basketball team for for a uh, uh, global brand, right? A yeah. global brand like yeah. the Bulls. And uh, I'm hoping that they have seen the light uh, that they have changed uh, the, their ways in terms of how they move with the basketball side of things. Uh, and it's and it's certainly turning out that it, it's looking that way. As long as they had the hands off, it, yeah, I, I'm agree with you, Tony. It's, it's probably going to go that way. Look, um, we we we've come out and we've heard that the issues that the process had. There there were no minority candidates, and even if there were, they looked at, at their, them being called on as being uh, token interviews. Let, I want to ask all of you this question. Yeah, it seems that the report that we've been getting that is clearly going to be a person of color as the general manager is that a positive because people looked at. This, how, the systems that you put in place as far as pulling up your executive VP and they didn't like it. Is it a positive that you're saying, okay, well, at least we're going to make sure that we give the general manager to a person of color because some people don't like the way they went about this. Cause it seems now I could be wrong, but it seems reactionary more than I'm coming into this thinking I got to give it to a person of color, especially perhaps if a white person may be better at that job right now than the person of color. I'm just don't banning that about to see what you guys thoughts are on that. Well, my, my thing is, I think, I think because of the landscape of the NBA and you, you, you want to have a, a general manager that's somewhat relatable, right? The NBA was one sport where you have to have those, all sports you got to have relationships. Well, what about executive VP? Of this, this, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I'm not knocking that at all. That I yeah. think they definitely should have talked to more people. Although I did hear a, a, I read a report saying a lot of teams didn't let them talk to some of their guys who could have been black uh, for that position. So they could have been black or they were black. They were black. Okay. Just making sure about yeah, the black. They, they were yes they, they, they was they was they was dark, they they, was dark. he may have been black <laughs> i don't know so no but i think with the nba relationships that we've seen over the years are huge and that could be to tony's point that he made earlier a downfall as to why the bulls can't be able to attract free agents a big time free agent they always constantly have to go within the draft so if you really want to turn things over and from the analytics standpoint that tony talked about just everything just kind of letting ak do his thing probably hiring someone, a, a black general manager, 
would probably be the best benefit for them because they do want to kind of show a new a new a new era for the uh, Chicago Bulls. Progression. So, progression. Progression too, yes. Yes, I mean, we talked about the NBA. The NBA is, uh, in, in, for the most part, uh, more than other leagues, a progressive league. But it's I just think, like I think... Six to eight black executives, well, ex- executives of color, six color. of them are African-American. African-American, right, exactly. Or black. Or black. Or, so, so... You side throws it all off. But you, but you want to have that. You want to. You definitely want to have that out there as far as as building those relationships with players and kind of turn it around. Listen, you heard about uh, Rich Paul. Uh, not saying the Bulls going to hire him, but you heard, you've been hearing teams about. Hey, maybe we should hire him because he had a relationship with these guys. Uh, but just guys from possibly on the NBA uh, on TV who have a good inside track to some of these stars. So you and, and predominantly the guys are African American. So I think it's probably going to happen. Will it shock me if it doesn't? No. Uh, you definitely want to go with the best candidate, uh, dis, uh, despite the gender or sex, whatever it may be. But I think in this case, Tony, uh, probably they, they probably want to show a new era with Chicago Bulls. Likely it might be someone uh, black to get the general manager and possibly the coaching position too. Um, I, I think this this is always going to be uh, you know a constant issue uh, in major sports. Uh, in major sports leagues, so uh, I'm glad Mark Spears and Undefeated that they uh, wrote that article. Yeah. And I gotta admit, and I admitted on the last uh, Bulls Talk podcast, uh, and Jason admitted himself. Like once they made that hire, like I didn't, I, that was I didn't think about it. I didn't think about well, they didn't hire, they didn't interview uh, a minority. I gotta say, maybe I have to turn in my you know my you should. card. Both of you should <laughs> right away. But but I I just I the the excitement of. Okay, a fresh face, an outside voice is, is coming in. I didn't even think about it until I saw the article. Like, oh man, wait, they they didn't. From what was reported, they didn't interview a minority candidate, uh, and they probably should have. <laughs> yeah, in the NBA. Yeah. Real, uh-huh. Let me cut that out. When they said that they were looking at Danny Ferry, I got pissed, and that's when I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Yeah. And I focused it on Lou Aldane, but I was really thinking about it from not any black perspective. But please continue. But yeah, I mean, it, it, that was that was perfectly right. That was what what Mark Spears were written was facts, and it should have it should be taken seriously that whenever a an executive spot is open in any of the in you know especially the ones predominant uh, with a, a, a large majority in the chocolate city, athletes, in the chocolate city too. Yeah, um, that black and minority and and women too, because I don't want to exclude it. Yeah. There are if there yeah. are women candidates that are ready available to take those roles, they should be interviewed as well. Absolutely. Um, but again, it, it, we need to articles like that need to happen. We need to make sure these organizations know mm-hmm. that hey, you need to widen your net. Like I know Danny Ferry and Brian Colangelo was you casting a wide net, but is it really? No, you know, you know, it's, it's not. Really, it's not. Uh, uh, it's so, the most privileged in basketball, basically. Right. The, the the strongest man in basketball, damn near outside of the commissioner's son. And Danny Ferry's been beloved since Duke. So get out of here real quick. Mm-hmm. Brian. Uh, real quick, quick. Uh, Tom, uh, wait, 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 wait. Brian, did, what did you have to say about it? Oh. I mean, to me, it's basically like what you guys are talking about. You should expect whenever you're doing any type of coach or executive search, I'm sure all these teams want to move fast, but you shouldn't allow that to happen. You should make sure that you give yourself plenty of time to interview all types of candidates that are qualified for the job. And because, first of all, it's cheating yourself. 
Arturis might be the best candidate, but you don't know that if you don't talk to everybody. Mm, and sure. wouldn't you want to hear every single idea possible? Because that's something that can help whoever that person is that you hire, whatever race or gender, you might get some insight from somebody else that really helps you down the road. So, you know, to me, I would always tell if I was an owner of a team, if you're going to do an executive search or a coach search, give yourself a lot of time, interview yourself, a lot of candidates, even though you might have your favorites, that's not the point. You got to make sure that you do your due diligence. Also, too, the Bulls have been looking to make this hire going back uh, to All-Star break, right? That's when a lot of reports coming out saying, like, yeah, they're talking to everybody amongst the league because everybody because All-Star game was here. Now, uh, Tony's colleague, uh, Casey Johnson, over at NBC Sports Chicago, he did release an article um, yesterday, I believe, yes, the 10th, saying Michael Reinsdorf, Kenny Williams defend the Bulls and men diversity concerns. So uh, they have been made aware of it. Now, what are they going to do in the future? We shall see. Only problem with that. And definitely Kenny Williams being executive vice president of the White Sox and general manager before Mm -hmm. speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. But, and I'm not saying that this is true, but there's something to one to be a token. And I'm not saying that that's true or also be the one that's viewed as being a good one. Like the problem with black people is we don't get enough chances to mess up because we're, there's always a lane that we're looked at and one mess up can be the end of it. And that mess up can happen way before you take the steps before you can get into that position. So I'm happy. And I've always been proud of Kenny Williams for having that position. And I'm not dissing him from having it. He's right to come out. I can remember stories about Jerry Ronson going into his family's house and basically saying, I'm going to take care of this young man. But he may have had an affinity for that one young man compared to having an affinity for a collection of people. And that's the thing I think that we're trying to impress on you. Yeah, you may lack a one or two of them. And I'm not saying that's what's happening, but th- there's always the visuals to be mindful of. And in a city like Chicago, you should be real mindful of something like that. And even if, and again, no one wants to be uh, have a token interview. You need to make it more sincere than that. But you, you should be very mindful of the visuals when it comes up in that. And it shouldn't have happened. There should have been legit black candidates that have come there. But if you like AK, you could have went with AK. But this kind of speaks volumes to kind of the, the mindset that that organization is. And it's going back to what Ryan says. If you're going to do it, that's the let me, my last part real quick. That's like when, when one half of the population, it's not a set of black people, but women can vote. And even still looking at elective offices, half of our population, we deem that some of them aren't acceptable. So do you know how many better senators, mayors, yeah. governors, and I'm not even talking about people of color, if women were, if people were cool with women getting these presidents, women getting these jobs, because that's half of the population, you do yourself a disservice if you don't think like that. Yeah, yeah. And also, too, they had the time. So you can't say, like, oh, this is a rush process. They had the time to do this. They had the time to actually filter out and talk to a lot of different people to kind of set themselves up. But like I said, I think I, but at one point I do agree, agree with Tony. I think it's a simple fact of a lot of Bulls fans like, man, listen, we just want to get the Gar Pax oh. era over. I don't care who it is. We want something different. Somebody from outside. From an outside. Not a friend. Yeah, not, exactly. No connection. That kind of right. goes you don't, back. You, you don't want to have that at all. And I can understand what Tony was saying. A lot of Bulls fans just happy like, man, brighter days are possibly in, in, in our future. Last question for me. That kind of goes back to the Adrian Griffin thing. Listen, I'm going to tell you why I'm raising that. And it's not an Adrian Griffin. This man pulled himself up in his bootstraps. For two years, he was at Seton Hall with AK. He's been uh, assistant coach around the league. It's a couple times where Adrian Griffin kind of irritated me as a Bulls fan. One of them wasn't his fault. One was when the Bulls had J.R. Smith and Paxton Dean 
he wasn't the type of player they wanted, and they never even let him suit up. They traded him. I, maybe Agent Griffin, because he had left here. I don't know if he was in Denver. Yeah, he was in Denver, because that's how he ended up in Denver, J.R. Smith in Denver. They traded J.R. Smith for Agent Griffin and brought him back here, and it was like for a Bulls team, that was like, you're a bottom team, even though we know JR has made be scatterbrained a little bit, but the skill set is the skill set. It was like, why aren't you throwing the most talent in here? Why are you always looking at something from that narrow perspective of just who the guy is? Maybe you can change, help change him to adjust to the culture. And then the second one was when Joe Kim Noah got suspended and Ben Wallace and uh, Adrian Griffin basically went to, I think it was Vinny that may have been a head coach and was like, that's his, or it was the other boiling. And was like, that suspension isn't long enough. And I was like, who the hell is Adrian Griffin? Again, I wasn't there. But I was a Joe Kim Noah guy. And I knew Joe would get his ish together. And I'm probably these guys are the reason that he got his ish together. Because I thought it was going to take a little bit longer. But that's just some me in my narrow view as a Bulls fan who's been mistreated. And when I hear that, but Tony, should I look at if Adrian Griffin does get this job, is the Bulls still going back to someone they have a connection to? Or in lead circles, he's a guy that is viewed as the next man up? Um, no. I think uh, people around league circles have said that Adrian Griffin deserves a head coaching job. Uh, and I know Bulls fans, at least at this point, because things have been kind of coming together with outside voices, which has been great. Um, I don't think that w- that criticism should be put on uh, – if they do pursue Adrian Griffin as the head coach, uh, he was one of the coaches in the all-star uh, game with, uh, with Toronto uh, head coach, Nick nurse. Um, he coached in the rising stars game. Um, and I was surprised. I was like, wow. Like when he came to the podium and, and you know, he spoke very well. And uh, just in terms that, of that being, color boy can talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> you talking, talking about bas- basketball? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, um, he speaks so eloquently to be one of them. Yeah, his, his, his enthusiasm. Uh, you can really tell that, wow, he's really grown just as a, as a, you know, as a coach. Uh, so, uh, from from what I hear and what I've been told uh, from from people um, around the league, like certain coaches that would like this Bulls job are saying, but Adrian might be the dude for mm. this team and for this job uh, right now. So I was taken aback by it. I was surprised by that. Coaches around the league that want this job are saying Adrian Griffin should have the is job. ready to be a head coach. He was a bench guy. When it comes to the question of do you have to be a star to be a leader, he was one of those guys that clearly was the outlier, that he was a guy that people viewed him as a vet and a leader, and he wasn't a ball. I mean, he could play basketball, but you didn't look at him as like, man, we need to edge your griffin here. But they loved and followed him real hard back in those days. Those that Ben Wallace era Bulls team. Yeah, yeah. All right, Tony, man, thank you so much for hopping on with us, man, breaking down this bull stuff. Make sure everybody, y'all follow Tony on Twitter, at the Tony Gale, and all this work he's doing down there at NBC Sports Chicago. Tony, thank you for being our first guest as a return of Dan Davis' show with guests again. Because uh, <laughs> now we kind of talked about it, and we was going through it, and I mentioned, like, you know, you, you, we came up, but it's good to, to have you be our first guest as we get back to interviewing again. Always appreciate everything you've done for us and everything you do for yourself moving forward. Keep shining, young star. And anybody out there, look at this young man as someone that you can look up to, somebody who, who grinds hard to go get what they want to do. And also is a pretty good dude from a pretty good family. And also, you're one of the first people to say it, and it crossed my mind, but you were like, hey, we should put in Ryan. And Ryan has been nothing but great for us. And Absolutely. We appreciate both of you for everything that you've done for us. Um, listen, 
don't do anything stupid before you hear from us again. Keep your hands to yourself.